And now, a Sorry Wrong Door production of a podcast for your enjoyment. Strange, interesting, and slightly gamey. An absurd glimpse into the post-eclectic age. Sugar's only sweetness. Salt is ocean tears. And you were my only weakness. For years and years and years. Are we going? SISG is a broad spectrum show where we cover topics from the worlds of music, live entertainment, film, nostalgia, pop culture, and anything else that comes into our heads, all with an emphasis on the strange and the unusual. It's basically the things that interest us, and we hope will interest you too. Now the devil, she must be a dentist with deep jawbreaker eyes, red rope hair, gumdrop lips, Welcome to the podcast, everybody. We've got a lot of good things working out for you. Greg, what's one of them? Well, James is going to treat us to everything you thought you knew about the zombies is completely wrong. James will dispel some myths and... Uh, and create some new ones, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're also going to have uh, an interview with Jamie and Brian Blair and at their establishment, The Eight Ball. we got a discussion on the chilling moments that warm the heart. Yes. And uh, whatever that means, uh, we'll get to that later. And we have lots of stuff from the archive, so stay tuned. And uh, let's get to it. America's fighting men need meat, the best meat, plenty of it. That's the why of the share of the meat plan. That's why we civilians are holding our consumption to two and a half pounds weekly. As a housewife, I find I can still prepare delicious, nourishing meals. There's no limit on chicken and fish. And through my butcher, I'm discovering some wonderful new ideas. Now, I'm your neighborhood butcher. You see, we want to help the housewives so we can serve all our customers fairly. Ask us for new recipes and interesting varied menus. We all must cooperate now. Be fair to your fellow Americans. Share the meat because... America's fighting men need meat. The best meat. Plenty of it. For some time now, a large segment of the American population has been infatuated by zombies. I know I have. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think a lot of people, right? Uh, from the popularity of the Romero films to the success of the Walking Dead series on AMC, I, I think it can be safely said that zombies have gained more than just a foothold uh, in the American popular culture. They have now uh, become a full-blown phenomenon. The question I asked you, the listener, as well as my cohort sitting next to me, is where does the idea of zombies come from? And the American mythos, we all have an idea of what a zombie is and how one becomes a zombie. Usually from a plague that is transmitted through the bite of an infected and yes, dead human being. They feed on the flesh of the living and can be killed by some kind of puncture wound, be it gunshot or knife to the brain. Yeah, that's all Romero stuff. Before that in the movies, 
They, and he even says in that movie, he calls them ghouls. He doesn't even call them zombies. I don't even know. When's the first time they say zombie? Is I don't it, know, because in The Walking Dead they don't, and a lot of Romero stuff, they don't use the word zombie. I but in the, how do they we ever know say it in the Romero? Well, the first Italian zombie movie was supposed to be a sequel to Day of the Dead was called Zombie, at least the English version. So that might be first, because I don't even know if they use it in Dawn of the Dead, the original one. Did, did he just do that on his own? He's like, I'm making a sequel to this movie that I didn't make? What? what why? No, why the, the Italian guys did, yeah. They just, they, just said, they, they wanted to continue the story, but on an island, you know, and then, and they... They actually, because in the original one, you know, it's a satellite supposedly crashes, and they were saying that's not true. What really happened was that they, the off some tropical island, the dead started rising and it spread from there. They just thought it was something else. So anyway, that that was the first time I heard zombie. But tell us more. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, everybody knows and has an, it has an idea of what what a zombie is right because they're just we're just inundated i just went to universal you know halloween hot and the whole thing zombies but what if i was to tell you a different kind of zombie story is that what you forget everything you know about zombies (laughs) (laughs) a story that takes place on an island where the concept of the zombie has a whole different connotation uh because on this island which is haiti uh, the zombie is not just a conjuring of the mind used to scare for fun and entertainment like, you know, like here or The Walking Dead or whatever. No, it's it's on this island that zombies are actually real. And what's more, they are intentionally made. And so we begin this tale. In May of 1980, a man walked into a Haitian village, approached a peasant woman named Angelina and identified himself as her brother Clervius. If he had not introduced himself using a boyhood nickname and mentioned facts only intimate family members knew, she would not have believed him because 18 years earlier, Angelina had stood in a small cemetery north of her her village and watched as her brother Clervius was buried. The man which she began slowly now accepting uh, was indeed her brother, told Angelina he remembered that night well. He knew when he was lowered into his grave because he was fully conscious. Although he could not speak or move, as the earth was thrown over his coffin, he felt as if he were floating over the grave. He showed her a scar on his right cheek, a scar that was caused by a nail driven through his casket. (laughs) That's hardcore. Everybody stops at that. You're like, what the hell? But crazy as it sounds, this is true. Uh, Clervius went on to tell his sister that the night he was buried, a voodoo priest raised him from the grave. He was beaten with a whip and carried off to a sugar plantation in northern Haiti, where, with other zombies, he was forced to work as a slave. On the plantation, Narcisse, that's his last name, said, said that he and some other... Uh, zombies labored from sunup to sunset, pausing for only one spare meal a day. He passed his time there in a dreamlike state, devoid of will or volition, with events unfolding before him as if in slow motion. Only with the death of the zombie master were they able to escape, and he eventually returned home. 18 years later, man. Yeah, now how come he didn't come right away? Are they still dopey and everything from the drug they were on? Well, he, he claims he had amnesia, and then this like a, a series of unfortunate events he was trying to get back. He but, had an awakening. But, 
And, th- and this comes down right to where zombies come from and, and what the idea of a zombie on Haiti is. The idea of a zombie on Haiti is, is entirely different. It is something that is seen uh, as definitely, you know, a, a product of voodoo, first of all, and then also a, a product of something that you've done to deserve being a zombie. In essence, a voodoo priest would actually decide and turn a regular human being into what they would consider to be a zombie. You were saying before that it's always riffraff. They choose people that, that they don't think will be missed or they don't want, they want to get rid of. Sort of control the population. Correct. What about this whole movement of the, the fair trade coffee and chocolates made by zombies <laughs> so they get the proper treatment? Now, you were talking also, though, to me earlier about, um, you know, all the facts I know about this guy because he started getting sick before. Correct. So, and, and the facts are as follows. On the 30th of April in 1962, at 8.45 p.m., uh, Clarius checked himself into Albert Schweitzer Hospital. In, uh, in, in Haiti, he had been sick for some time, complaining of fever, body aches, and general malaise, but just recently he had begun, begun coughing up blood. His condition deteriorated rapidly. Attending physicians noted that Clairvius suffered from digestive disorders, pulmonary edema, hypothermia, uh, respiratory difficulties, and hypotension. His sister Angelina would later recall that his lips turned blue and that he reported tingling sensations all over his body. On the morning of May 2nd, his two attending physicians, one of whom was an American and the other American trained, pronounced Clarius dead. His body was identified by his oldest sister, Marie Claire, who affixed her thumbprint to the actual death certificate. So, Is this the thing that brought the guy in, or why is this the famous case about So it, it is. What's his name? Wade Davis is his name. The... the, the uh, Ethnobotanist Sounds like a blue singer or something. Anthropologist that that uh, that the the serpent and the rainbow right is 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 taken from. They're basically anthropologists there, and they they were studying the culture, doing ethnography, doing that kind of thing. And you know, everybody kind of had an idea that zombies were more than just a wives' tale. Uh, you know, some people didn't believe it, some people did. But at this point, they heard this case and they said, "Wait a minute." This might, in fact, be the first case we can absolutely say, hey, this is, this is proof that these exist. Yeah. And so after that, that's when they called uh, Wade Davis's professor, because that guy was the, the main guy. They wanted him to come, and he didn't have time. He was doing something else, so he sent this guy, and then, and then that's how, how the things got started. So he went there to investigate, and, and what they kind of surmised was, you know, a lot of people said, okay, they don't believe in zombies, zombies don't exist, or, or it's some kind of a racist, uh, you know, stereotype or that kind of thing. And, and uh, there was a lot of different ideas, but what, what they they thought it was got to be some kind of a drug-induced state. Uh, and so they, they sent, you know, basically a pharmacologist out there to, to figure out what what would be the, where do they get samples for the because you said it was like a blowfish poison he, he got five different samples and they all contained uh what would be the the poison that's in a puffer fish which is uh if i have it right here it's tetrodotoxin also davis discovered that part of the potion that turns people into zombies according to voodoo uh was the use of human remains 
So they they dug up graves, and one of them had to be. See, they they dug up a, a freshly deceased baby, and he was with them. He gets a lot of flack for just that. Just to do too. the formula. Just to do the formula. It's it's you know because it's like part part science, part wives' tale kind of thing. The thing about it is, no, no puffer fish has the same amounts of poison. So we could eat a puffer fish, and we wouldn't have anything happen to us. We eat another one, and we'd have we'd be dead. The the potion's not set by any one voodoo priest. So the idea that they, they just don't, you know, they they a lot of trial and error. That's what I'm trying to say. This is, type of science is, is more it, art than science. Yeah, right. They is that so, do they have trouble believing his results then because it was never co- the same? correct. The big thing was like they didn't always make zombies and and sometimes the zombies actually died because they they would they they would actually bury the people and then they would come and and dig them up. Well, there's you know a limited amount of oxygen. Now the toxin slows your your heart rate down to about a beat a minute. Now, do they drug them? You know, after they wake them up, do they continue to drug yeah, them? Yeah. So they also drugged the people while they were there while on were the plantation working? working, and it kept them dopey. And, and when he Clarvius uh, says that he he felt like he was uh, you know in a dreamlike state, that that that's another drug that they they would constantly feed the guys to make them dopey and, and whatever so some of them were brain damaged some of them uh but all of them were drugged and then uh, of course when the when the guy the bokor which they call the plantation uh owner uh or the foreman he died and then they were able to escape <coughs> what were the early accounts because they have like i said in the 30s and the 40s i walk with a zombie and all those things so, or, you know so people knew about this so if you if you read about this, you find that there's like all these references to people coming back and telling these stories. Same kind of similar story. They see zombies walking or, or you know, working on a plantation. Basically, The Walking Dead. Or are these Americans or these or just all just all, all lots all, of foreigners. All foreigners. I think it's funny that even in White Zombie, the old uh, Bella Lugosi thing, how close it was to what you're talking about because. In that one, he, I mean, he uses his mesmerism too, but he also drugs the lady. He gives her something in her drink, and then he draws her in, and then all the zombies are just to work for him as slaves. And they're, you know, they just show them falling over, getting ground up, and just doing all his free labor for him. And you know what? It, it's it's funny because, I mean, that that's it. I mean, that's the story. <laughs> and, and now you know. If you're ever in Haiti, to stay out of trouble. Or you just might end up being singled out by a voodoo priest and living a hideous existence as one of the real walking dead. You have been warned. I put a nickel in the telephone, found my baby's number, got a busy line. Each time I tried, I got a busy tone.
is over. Now back to work. Hiya, Mr. Flintstone. Greetings, Rocky, my boy. Pack of Winston's, please. Ah, you like them Winston cigarettes, huh, Mr. Flintstone? Mm, but, of course, they really got something. You bet your life. Folks who really enjoy smoking know it's what's up front that counts. And that's where Winston steps out ahead of the crowd with their exclusive filter blend. Choice golden tobaccos specially selected and specially processed for filter smoking. Hold it, hold it. You know what you mean? What are you pitching Winston's at me for? You know I never smoke nothing else. Just practicing, Mr. Flintstone. Everybody knows that... Winston tastes good, like a cigarette should. Yeah. See you soon, Rocky. In my line of work, I meet a lot of creative and interesting people, and I always thought they'd make great interviews. So we decided periodically on this podcast that we'd do just that, introduce you to some of these people and their creative endeavors. Today our guests are Jamie and Brian Blair, the proprietors of The Eight Ball. When I first entered The Eight Ball, I felt like I'd stumble into a combination art installation and wonderful kind of curio shop, but I'll let them describe it to you. And by the way, the grunting in the background, that's their pig, Rosie. I'm here with Jamie and Brian Blair and their wonderful, uh, I don't know what you call it, it's their lounge. Yeah, this, this is, is the 8-Ball Lounge. It's behind the 8-Ball speakeasy. <laughs> yes. When I first come for the uh, show, I had to knock on the back like a speakeasy. That was cool. Mm-hmm. You were closed. Yeah. You've got the great bar with the spider web and the tiki idol there. It lights up. And all around... This wonderful art and knickknacks from, well, from all over, all different kinds of stuff and genres. We call it eclectic Americana style. It is exactly. I see. Mm-hmm. There's Betty Rubble. <laughs> oh, it's a drunk and tired Betty Rubble. <laughs> yeah. Barney's not treated her well. No. You have a machine gun over the exit sign. Uh-huh. Yeah, the old the, Tommy gun. Well, which fits in every speakeasy needs a Tommy yeah, gun at the door. Exactly. Yeah. This is great, and this is just a small part. Beyond this is the art gallery, and then beyond that is the storefront. Yes. And I want to ask you, what do you consider your store? There's all kinds of influences. There's tiki, there's old it monster. It is there's called a rockabilly and retro style boutique for both men, women, accessories. The tiki goes with the retro style, of course. And so it is just, it's that. It's the rockabilly retro boutique. A lot of classic kitsch and fun. With the fun kitsch accessories. Very cool. Mm-hmm. It's the presents for the people you don't like. <laughs> I saw that you've got the great dressing rooms. They look like tiki huts. The tiki hut dressing rooms. And then I see some Day of the Dead stuff around. they got that great display refrigerator mm-hmm. with yeah, all the, the different... Fridge. The Day of the Dead and the Rockabilly kind of go hand in hand because it's the tattoo mm-hmm. art. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rockabillies have chosen the Day of the Dead style art to put on their tattoo, so that's how that crossed over. Yeah, it's, it's hot rod, uh, tattoo culture, motorcycle culture, monsters, mm-hmm. tiki, cl- still classy dresses. It's you like know, everything guys. you guys love it. The only thing you don't have is the Scottish stuff here, and, and maybe I just haven't noticed that. <laughs> it, we, it, it's secretly in here. <laughs> when, when we have events, when we have something like uh, the art shows, we open up this back lounge, but also we have Ladies' Night, which is the last Friday of every month, which is all up and down the street with food trucks and everything. Food trucks, people stay open late. 
there's um, bands, there's it's, it's like an Amer- it's an American street fair. Mm, nice. Yeah. But we, we work the Scottish in there because we usually have uh, kilted bartenders. Oh, cool. There you go. That's <laughs> what draws them in. We have people coming into the store on a regular basis on just on that evening, the ladies' night out, going, are the kilted bartenders back there? <laughs> so. And I just bring that up because you guys are always in the Scottish games. Yes. Yeah, we go to the Highland Games and represent Clan Blair. Mm-hmm. I saw the pictures of both of you. Yes. On the Facebook. That was awesome. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what were you display? You had the armor display this year? Yeah, we had a arms and armor of the Scottish Border Reavers who were who lived on the borders in the uh, early 1600s, and they were pretty lawless, so they needed a lot of arms <laughs> and armor and things to mm-hmm. protect and reeve and steal. As they did, it, it's different from the people's perception of the Highland Scots. You know, the Braveheart style, the Highland Scots. Uh, the Southern Scots weren't that perception of Braveheart. It was more of they were actually lawless, just just as Scots, just as fighting, just as drinking, just as not caring and stealing other people's cows. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not mentioned in any hero movie, so we thought it would be a good idea to. To portray uh, the other side of Scotland, which is the Lowlands, nice. which is actually more spatial of Scotland than the Highlands actually are. Yeah, they were going at it with the English much more than the Highlanders even. Well, they're right next to the border so on a yeah. daily basis. So yeah. they were more mercenary, more cutthroat. The true Scotsman. <laughs> the true Scotsman, really. Yeah. Describe the, your your current. This will be gone by the time everyone hears this, but your current gallery show. This is called Return of the Skeletons from the Closet. The reason for the return is because last year we did it with Skeletons from the Closet, and next year it's going to be Dawn of the Skeletons <laughs> of the Closet. It's, it's progressive that way. Uh, it is a monster art show collaboration. Yeah, monster, Halloween, anything that reminds us of what, you know, the October feeling. and The stuff is gorgeous, and... and you didn't mention it, but a lot of the professionals from the movie business have art pieces in there. It is 90% local special effects artists portraying their art in there. That's kind of how the name came, because, you know, doing effects, we all have little projects we've done on our own, and they're all tucked away at home, you know, literally yeah, in the closet. Exactly. So we just thought... It's, that's why it's skeletons from the closet, <laughs> not skeletons in the closet. <laughs> There's that, too. That, that, there is that, too, but that's specifically why it's skeletons from the closet. It's what special effects artists are going to drag out of their houses and show. They've got this hand that looks uh, like a complete accurate human hand that has a Punch and Judy head, or the punch head, oh, and yeah. then it's crucified. Yes, that's Mike <laughs> Regan's pieces. Yeah. There's a mad scientist that's come actually coming out of the picture frame, mm-hmm. and that lights up. It does. Yeah, up the yeah, the yeah. chemicals light up, or the... the yeah. Actually, yeah, the, yeah, the chemicals, tube. the test tube lights up. They got great zoographs, and you guys are great Fiji mermaid. That looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was fun. He's going in another show here, a taxidermy show. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Themed. Oh, you're going to have a taxidermy show I'm, here? We're not. I'm actually going to display it in another, oh, okay. another gallery okay. just down the way here in Magnolia Park. Mm-hmm. Oh, i got to check that one out. <laughs> And what is going to be the next gallery show? Because th- that's our podcast will be out before that one. The next gallery show, it's called Tide and Blossom. It is an artist named Christiana. She did a show here last year. It was a sold-out show. It was a fantastic. She designs what she calls Martitas, uh, Day of the Dead uh, painted faces. Um, but she does them as actual sculptural pieces, as busts, almost like they were hunted and put on plaques. <laughs> I see that one there. Yes, That's she gorgeous. created a fairy tale land of the Martitas, and these are the the hunted versions of them. Um, but it's not gruesome. They're c- 
decorated no, with elaborate yeah. flower headdresses. Some have horns, antlers. This next show, she's gone. Her artistic talents have progressed a lot this year, so she's everything is much more substantial than it was last year. Tentacles and shells. Oh, and, nice. Um, so it's that's why it's called Tide and Blossom. There's going to be a lot of sea martitas, like the sea folk. It's very Brian Froud style. It's gorgeous. Yeah, we we try to portray in our gallery mostly things that are custom culture. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we had a pinstripe show. Uh, where we had guys from Japan and America come together. We, you know, we do the monsters. The retro horror. Custom culture meaning that it's within the retro style, rockabilly style thing, the tattoo art. That it can be all categorized into custom culture, especially here in Los Angeles. Nice. We haven't mentioned the third party here. No, if you Rosie. If you hear oinking <laughs> and, and grunting, it, it's not us. It's squealing. So. I don't have a squeak toy. It's our pig. Yes. She comes to the store here with Jamie, and that's kind of our shop pig. She's <laughs> Rosie, Von, Rosie Von Bristlebutt. Yes. She's our <laughs> pinup piggy. Uh -huh. She's a micro pig. Uh, right now she's only seven months old. That's what they call them. They're micro. She's called pig? a micro. Yeah, she's a micro pig. That's good because the miniature pigs aren't too miniature, so micro sounds better. <laughs> well, it's all the same. Micro, mini, teacup. She's uh, what's another name? Teacup oh, okay. pig. Uh, a lot of people associate like a teacup pig is only you know it always stays that small teacup size. Um, no, a teacup pig gets to about forty-five to sixty pounds. But when you compare that to an 800-pound pig, yeah, yeah, it's quite teacuppy. It's more manageable. That's, but that's pound, she's beautiful. Uh, 200-pound yes. pot belly. Yeah. She'll max out at about 45, 50 pounds. Nice. Mm -hmm. I like to walk in the store and have you describe some of the stuff. We were just talking earlier. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of the products in that you have here. Oh, Nice. We're walking out of the lounge. We're coming from the back to the front. And now going through the art gallery. And you said this was lined with barn lumber? Or just to give the appearance of barn lumber? The appearance of barn lumber. Yeah, barn wood. Yeah. I wanted everything to look like we just ripped it out of an old barn. or And know, it does, but more beautiful. <laughs> the coloring is nice. I've seen old barns. Mm -hmm. And barn wood is actually really expensive. So Oh, yeah. I just bought the worst wood I could find. with the most knots <laughs> and warps and dings and just made it work. Mm -hmm. I see this. I forgot about this. This great face mounted of the I behold a Twilight Zone nurse. That is the most popular oh my piece. Gosh, that's so perfect. I'm impressed by how many young people know that's the Twilight Zone. <laughs> uh, well, it's on Netflix. It is. <laughs> yeah, I've got my niece. I like these Ray Harryhausen pieces or esque. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got the giant Freddy, the four foot tall Freddy head in the corner. Oh, That's nice. pretty scary. Well, cocaine nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're in the back with the tiki area, right. sort of. We got the tiki dressing yes. room and the. And you were talking about the the stuff in the refrigerator. Yes. Yeah, this is kind of our housewares whole end of the place. Mm -hmm. And we we try to make all of our fun kitchen gift stuff still practical. We've got uh, the stone cold moe tiki. Ice cube trays, the skull and crossbone ice cube trays, and even the gin and Titanic. <laughs> ice cube. It's Titanic molds for the ice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it actually comes nice. With the and, and the iceberg. It comes with the iceberg molds <laughs> and um, gross I, and more. It's more, a lot of people morbid, but everyone chuckles. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've got the, uh, you can freeze 
these and make uh, actual ice shot glasses. Oh, nice. Uh, I see the funny side up. You yep. were talking about that earlier. If you're going to make the breakfast, why not make it into a skull? <laughs> it's know? a wireframe that you put two yep. eggs sunny side up. They become the eyes and it yep. forms a skull. The yes. mustache baking molds. That's right. The, sh the cut the lady in half knife sharpener. Yeah, the sharp this act. This great knife sharpener. Yeah. As you cut it through, it looks like you're cutting her in half, uh -huh. in the magic act. Yeah, like the the nom skulls, the uh, cupcake. It's a cupcake. Brain. Yeah, it's 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 a skull that you put your cupcake in, and then you make an, a brain frosting to go on the top of it. The people really have to come see this because every square inch is covered with great stuff. It's like a museum as much as it is a store. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we tried to make it look like a combination of. Like hot rod garage and tiki explosion, <laughs> and retro you know, house, little industrial. We've got like the old style uh, classic pinup aprons, but covered in tattoo print. Table nice. <laughs> We've got uh, cool tattoo print uh, bath towels and even all the shower curtains with you know the tattooed lady. We've got you know the, the shark, sailor's grave, the old sailor's tattoos. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. We've got all kinds of, of course, uh, we've got pinup shoes, pinup dresses, anything for the gals, anything they could possibly want. We also run a few places down here in Magnolia that has guy stuff. We've got everything from hats, shirts, uh, lounge shirts, mechanic style shirts, uh, even grease, pomade, and vintage style shaving products. Cool. What's this up here now? you got the gear shifter and the... And the yeah, this the grill off the front of a car. Yeah, that's uh, an old Daimler grill, and this is uh, yes. this is a uh, panel, a uh, instrument cluster from a '29 Ford that's been kind of made into a bit of a bit of an art piece. Like over here on the guy's side, we've got an old flathead uh, intake and carburetor system. We've got some old pistons. You know, I, I took a lot of the stuff I had in my garage, old car parts. And you things. had some great stuff. Yeah, stuff I've been collecting for a while. I thought, well, when we put it in the shop, we'll just we'll just do it. Yeah. The only the only thing we hired here, we built everything ourselves. The only thing we hired was an electrician, and that's more for safety. Yeah. Well, of course. I like your dragon kite there. Is that a kite? Is that a puppet? It's a puppet. Uh, Bill Bill Bryan, actually, he made that, and it's kind of uh, a street performance piece. It's a wearable puppet of a dragon. <laughs> that's so that cool. With one flip of a switch, turns into a devil. <laughs> the giant head turns inside out and becomes a devil's tail, and then nice. kind of a grim reaper devil. Mm. And it's right next to this beautiful dress with frill and uh, Day of the Dead skulls all over it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've yeah. got guys' wallets, even uh, baby know, clothes. Grease, baby clothes. Yeah, we have a lot of. I guess your pomade yes. collection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of these fun uh, baby clothes. There's actually a guy locally here. Who designs and makes all of our baby clothes? I like the dirty diaper tour. Mm -hmm. yes. Oh yeah, the squirts, fresh wipes, Johnny Crap, and the Royal Flush. We got the little gasser. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that, that's a lot of a lot of fun stuff as well. What were you both your backgrounds? I know this Joker because I'm with him all the time. Yeah. But what was your background? Is it in the arts too, or is it? Mm. Don't have uh, much of an artistic background. Uh, I'm well, you have it anyway. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. It's natural. I'm actually a college or no college high school dropout. Proud of it, though. I went back. I got my diploma when I was in my 20s. 
And I've actually been this man's wife for a lot longer than I can imagine. That's my background. That's that's your greatest challenge. That's my greatest challenge. I've been putting up with this guy since I was 18 years old. Well, I remember back at Long Beach, all the people that uh, did great things there quit and dropped out of that yeah, place. Yeah. <laughs> There's I, nobody that actually graduated that did, came to anything over it's, there. It's I'm a funny. mother of a teenager. I'm a ho- I was a housewife. And I've always been artistic. I was a seamstress for a long time, but just as a personal business. Uh, part also with the Highland Star, the the, the Scottish Those costumes are gorgeous. I'm, I make I, I I make all the kilts. So this I have place a very eclectic background. Very perfect for the shop. It, yes. It's all led to this. Yeah, we kind of took everything we were into and liked doing and liked going to. You know, I like going to the pubs and bars. I like art shows. We both like you know the rockabilly and retro. Mm-hmm type stuff so they always say go with what you know and this is kind of a culmination of everything that we knew and we've been swing dancing and rockabilly bar <laughs> hopping for going on 18 years now hot rodding uh, yeah I know with all the car stuff hot rodding yeah, yeah we've been doing that together so yeah it was a very much go with what you know but honestly I actually went to culinary school oh you did <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be a chef. Unfortunately, motherhood put a little kibosh to that one. But all that stuff leads to this, all the creative activities. So mm-hmm. that's what I see. I'm, I've never, I'm not anything like I was set out to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Sometimes fate just kind of pushes you where it, it thinks you should go, whether you, you know you have to go there or not. Brian's the only person where he's doing what he wanted to do ever since he was a 10-year-old boy. That I And you're in of. makeup effects. Yeah. Tell yeah. a little bit about that and the stuff you've done. Oh. I mean, you've been in, like, is it 20, it's longer than 20 years, isn't 27 it? 27 years now. I was going to say, because you were before I got in it. Yeah, I've been doing, I graduated high school, and two days later I jumped in the car and came out here, going to Hollywood, <laughs> going to make monsters. <laughs> nice. And, it and that's what you did, for better or worse. Yeah. Exactly. It just, kind of, just kind of worked. <laughs> and mention some of the stuff you've done. Oh, uh, Starship Troopers, uh, Godzilla, X Files, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, a lot pretty of much everything. Babylon Five. Babylon Five. We were, we were just talking about lunch, all the crazy stuff, and, and yeah, uh, it's nice. always hard. It's always hard to think about it when somebody asks you. No, I've, well, you've been doing it long enough that you've worked on Nightmare on Elm Street Five. That was my very first film. Okay, I was a little girl and peed my pants. <laughs> 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 Couldn't sleep in my waterbed for a month. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. If, I, <laughs> if I peed my pants on that show, it's only because of the deadlines. <laughs> like, you want to win? Yeah. Those stories you're telling, that's awesome. That's just typical of all the craziness to get stuff done, and then it's still... <laughs> yeah. Um, but learning all those skills and then working long hours enabled me to be able to build this place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as you showed me before, a lot of this, or most of this stuff, is all custom work. It's all found stuff that you've changed. 99% all custom work that we've built ourselves, repurposed, found in a Van Nuys alleyway. Yeah. (laughs) And made beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, like this this table, this tiki table, was something I found, just somebody Mm -hmm. throwing it out, so I. I repurposed it, did the glitter and epoxy top, did all the bamboo and the tiki and the old vintage mm-hmm. uh, postcards set into the, the front. And, and YouTube. I love YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Through YouTube, I, I grew up actually with a father teaching me how to do woodworking. I, I, I've known how to use saws and sanders and everything like that ever since I was 10 years old. But it was YouTube that I've learned even more. And when I said I did all the duct work, I went on YouTube. 
How do you redo ductwork? Nice. Went on YouTube and it was actually went to Home Depot and do you have such and such and such? And the Home Depot guy went, uh, I'm like, let me try it out. <laughs> Not an expert at all, but I love YouTube. Yeah, it's great. I found out how to fix creepy crawl uh, yeah. heaters. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> They've got everything in there. Mm-hmm. She did all the crown molding in our kitchen that she learned on YouTube. I was ready just to say, forget it. I'm not doing this because I, I wasn't getting it. Fuzzy leopard print platform slippers and my onion goggles. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm that type of girl. Not ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> What's the address here before I forget to mention 34 that? 3424 West Magnolia Boulevard. Okay. And we're, we're located in Magnolia Park. And what's this area? corner street? Avon and Magnolia. Okay. We're back. just down the street from Porto's where they put crack cocaine in their food. Oh my gosh, that stuff is so good. But yeah. the line that's always out there, I swear it's crack yeah, cocaine is the in their food at Porto's. I only get the stuff early in the morning when there's less people. Yeah, we're yeah. one block away from Porto's. Yeah. And the, and the beginning the of the opening, it's opening? The opening is Saturday, November 8th. It's the second weekend of November. It's the weekend after Day of the Dead, so we're not conflicting with that. So by all means, go to the Hollywood Forever. <laughs> Uh, and also, it's the same night that Magnolia Park is having its second Saturday art walk. Oh, okay, cool. A lot of stores are participating, artists up and down the street. There's also going to be three other art openings that same night, all within six blocks of each other. So it's an entire event. It's an entire evening. Very cool. And it runs to what, December? It's going to come down December 5th. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Because uh, I think, well, we'll see when this gets out. We try to do it the same day every month, but mm-hmm. so that should make it before this. Yeah. But the most, the best way to find out about it is it's simple. Just eightballartgallery.com. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you have your web store. We have the well, we have this web store for our retail, but for the art gallery, we have a second website. Oh, you we, do? Okay. We do. We wanted it honestly, the art gallery. People just entered to the gallery to be able to just find it. All right, I better look that up because I'm so bad. I didn't yeah, find it. I didn't want people to have to try to sift through product of dresses and whatnot. I gave a devoted website for it. It's apolartgallery.com. Nice. Mm-hmm. All, All right. the information's there. Yeah. Can I plug one other business? A- anything you want, sir. I want to plug uh, <laughs> McLeod's Brewery in Van Nuys. Yes. It's All a right. Scottish brewery, and they're doing true cask English and Scottish ales. And they're pretty new, but they're doing really well. And if you're ever in Van Nuys, go check them out. All right. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. I've wasted enough of your time, no, so no. thank you very much. No I have a feeling we'll be back. <laughs> All right. Good. Fly in me face, fly in me face, fly in me face, fly in me face. When I hope you got me, don't come out and fly in me face tonight. When I come home from a party and I'm feeling a little spaced, and I walk on in the kitchen and a bat fly in me face. Will the bat come down the chimney? You see, he wait in the fireplace. When he hear that I'm getting a little snack, the bat fly in me face, fly in me face, oh yeah, fly in me face. Well, I hope the bat he don't come out and fly in me face tonight. The bat he rat got wings. All the children know that. What I need to know from the Lord is how you get the wings on the cat. Say a bat's got radar And he can fly through fan But what I am afraid of Is that he got another plan 
In the early 60s, Coyle and Sharp prowled the streets of San Francisco performing pranks on unsuspecting pedestrians. It was a kind of punked or canned camera of the airwaves. Their show on KGOAM was called Coyle and Sharp on the Loose. And here they are once again, back on the loose, followed by Molly Roth talking to your plants from her record, so you don't have to. Say, what do you have uh, here in your drugstore? Do you have anything that we can use to sterilize? What do you want to sterilize? Operating equipment. I, uh, let me just say this right away. I'm not a doctor. Yeah, but right. I'm going to perform an operation, or what you'd call an operation on this man. I think I read enough about the thing that I can do it. Well, the only... I've agreed. I've agreed. The only problem is getting the stuff sterilized. I'll tell you this much. Now, legally, whether you agree or not, you could be in trouble. I'm not going to press any charges. If he, if anything happens, I mean, you're not going to go. I hope it's not of a a serious nature. Develop. Otherwise, uh... I'll explain it to you. I'm going into his chest. He's got a pain there. And frankly speaking, he isn't of uh, such economic posture that he can go to a doctor. And I'm just going to go in and look. Wouldn't you qualify for a county hospital? I don't want to have anything to do with the city or the state or anything. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, we got quite a few books from a medical library. We've read I up read on the subject. And I really feel that he's competent to handle How it. How high is your education going? May I ask you this question formally? Yes, uh, third year high school. I have finished the third year high school. Uh, now, you know, there's something in, in law called... I don't know how to pronounce it, but it means a friend of the court. Sometimes this, a person comes in, he's on nobody's side. He's a friend of the court to help, you know? Yeah, sure. And in this particular case, I would a thousand percent advise you against it. We're just going to do it now. We're going to do it in yeah. a station wagon and just get the thing over with. He has a pain in his chest that's been bothering him. He's located the area. I'm going to open the area up, and probably just by looking at it, I'll be able to see something wrong. I have enough equipment to light it up. And just press something one way or another, and I have uh, pretty nice yes, sewing equipment. You are, you are looking for trouble. I don't know, really. Let me tell you something. I'll make you a comparison. Let's talk about do-it-yourself. Because what, what, yeah. what this is. This is do-it-yourself. Yeah. Right. Forget the medical do-it-yourself. Yeah. There is nothing like experience. I mean, suppose for the sake of arm in, in the chest. Now, look. Here's my, look I'm going to show you something. Here, come here. That's a clear model of a this, the human this, body. Yeah, that's right, and it comes apart, too. One thing this doesn't show, the blue of the lungs, the heart's back there. You've got veins, you've got arteries. Can you see them when you go in? Yeah, but sometimes they're they're hidden by mesenteries. I quizzed him on mesentery. He had that right. Today, people... I forgot about the mesentery. That's uh, that thing, that layer. Look, it happens to the best of surgeons. I'm going to take... I'm going to take the thing in my own hands. I think I can do it. I think I've read enough in the last two days. Let me me ask you another question. What makes you think that the pain in the chest is of a surgical nature? Let's look in and see. You know, let's go it's in and a, see. It's a stab in the dark, but uh, I'm willing to take it. Well, what do you feel? I feel it uh, beginning in my stomach. It juts up into my chest. You said it was pretty localized on the left side, though. Well, That's last right. week it was. This week now, it does, seems does to eating, move. Now, does eating or anything else like that have any effect? Sometimes about 15 or 20 minutes after, after a meal, I faint. You just faint. You pass yeah. out. I've seen it. Yeah. I was going to operate him on, on him once, and his mother came in. I had all the equipment ready. I forgot now, about this sterilization. You, you like to play doctor? Not supposed to some mild heart condition. 
Look. I don't think it's a heart How condition. How do you know? So if it is, maybe I'll be able to do something for that. I haven't had a heart attack in, uh, since I was a child. I read about massage. Well, did you have a manic fever at the time? Yeah. yeah. I read about massaging the heart in the paper. There was some operation. I thought if I just went in, you know, massaged it, it might help, even if it isn't the heart. Don't. Don't. There's not even a matter of... of, of you see, I, I would say, you know, I, I express things this way. I once said it to my wife's father, who's not a man of not too great education. I said, always say, I think something is so, if you think it's so. Do you think I'm going to kill him? I think you're running fantastic risks for no reason. Well, if he goes, and there's very little possibility, as I see it, that you'd go. But if he you goes, see it, I'd be According to, to the uh, books. Forget the books. You don't I've know read them for two days now. For two days. Doctors go to medical school for four full years. Yeah, but they're going to operate on the whole human body. Many What's different the difference? Things. This is just one little thing I have a fan of. The body is connected. Can I just get some cleansing powder? I would, I would, I, I, I would sell you, I would sell you a Kleenex because I'm that much against it. He's done two operations on, on a pussy cat. One on a dog. One on a dog. One on a pussy cat. Last week, both of them came through pretty well. For a day or two. How about some antiseptic powder? I would advise you. I, 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 I won't, I even mislead you or lead you. One Bandages. I will do a thing for you. Aspirin? I'm against it. I'm How against about it. if I, if we get I'm the station this. wagon across the street and if anything comes up, I, I'm against this. I just I'm come in and tell this. you? I'm against this. If you're across the street, I'll call the police. Really? I Could will. we get some color film or something to take some no, shots? No, no, I don't want to do no, that. No, I want to have pictures taken of it. They you do it, but supposing something went wrong, but nothing's going to go wrong. I don't want to take any pictures. Good. That's stupid. No, you, I'd you're really like some film. You're making a big mistake. You're mistake. Can we get some film? I'll sell you film. This is not medical. Do you think I don't have sharp enough equipment? I don't think you have. I don't think you have the training. He's done it twice. I don't care how many times he's done it. You don't have the training. He took a correspondence course at one time through a magazine. It wasn't a medical course. Well, that's still training. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. When you look, this is not. What should I say? The dark ages. Can I show you the equipment I have? I wouldn't look. No. Sewing equipment and everything to sew it back. What if we just wrote up the procedures we're going to go through in the operation and you read it? No, because first of all, I'm not a physician myself, and second of all, do you know somebody then that could come out in the car and do it? In that field? No. No. I believe I'm I'll this. do it. Don't you will it. not do it. The top man, he can lose a patient. So I lose. I mean, I'm not going to lose you, but you know. What do you mean? You're not going to lose him. How can you guarantee to him you can't? Well, look, you go. I'll tell you he what. He put it in writing. He guaranteed. He said there wouldn't be any chances. <laughs> you go to. I did write something out for his mother. You're making. You're making a fantastic mistake. You'll be in prison for several seconds. That's years. why we wanted to park now, the car right across the street from your store if we needed help. You so can prescribe something. No, get something out there, at no. least to stop the blood. This is, no, this is illegal for me. I would just call the doctor. How about if I bring him around the back? No. No, leave this alone. Could we do it at your house? Go get yourself to, you know what they say, in Shakespeare, they say, get thee to a nunnery. Get thee to a surgery. Really? You might not even need surgery. You know what you might have? I'll give you a for instance. You might have what? an ulcer. An ulcer. You know how they treat ulcers? They don't treat ulcers surgically. Well, you got kind of piece of a stomach out and put it together again. Couldn't I get an ulcer out? If I knew if just where it was. That's what the technique of that thing is? I'll oh, get it out. God. I could get it out. I, I, I admire your confidence, but I don't admire what you're going to do. And don't do it. And the only reason I'm talking to you is you, 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 you're, you're literate people. You're, you seem to be intelligent, and yet you're willing to run a risk like a mutual risk for both of you. That's needless. That's foolish. There's no risk. I, I'll give you a, for instance, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you chills up and down your back. I had a 49 DeSoto. I brought this car into Marshall and Clamp in Los Angeles, the DeSoto distributor. See? And I had transmission trouble. They tore the damn thing down five separate times, couldn't fix it properly, and finally said, we give up. If you damage his heart. 
and what you're, you're going to try and do. You realize what's going to happen? What? There's no replacement bar for a heart. He can't go to the, to, the, to, the, to the hardware store and get you one. Now forget about it and go away. I know you don't have time to talk to your plants, so I'm going to talk to them for you. You can go on about your business, whether that's to class or the office or fixing dinner or making love. Don't worry. They'll listen to me. Let's begin. Poor little Ivy. Do you speak English, Ivy? What's your problem? Why are you so droopy? Oh, I see why. Your person really poured the water to you. You don't like wet feet, do you? I know you love humidity. But you look like you're standing in a rice paddy. We'll put you in this east window and let the sun dry you out and mist your leaves every day. And I promise you won't get watered again till your pot's dry, at least an inch down in the soil, okay? Oh, Fern, you're absolute dynamite. You're from Boston, aren't you? You can always tell good breeding. No brown tips, no dry leaves. I'll bet you take a shower every day. Don't be shy. You're fantastic. They really read their lesson on you. You're in a really big pot, and you get drenched about once a month, I'll bet. But you really love that shower on your foliage every day, don't you, baby? You're a neat little spider plant. Spiders hanging all over you. Aren't you proud? Sitting there in the sun in that tiny pot producing babies like man? I know your secret. You go to bed early. Give you about eight hours of bright light and no light after that. That's why you're so fertile, isn't it, Bunny? Oh, Mr. Chevalera, you're going to have to have a bath. You're covered in red spider mites. See that sickly gray foliage you've got and those misty little spider webs all over you? You and I are going to the sink, and you're going to have every leaf back and front washed with a nice, mild, soapy bath. Then we'll rinse you off in the bathtub. You're going to have to live by yourself for a while. You don't want to give your buddies red spider now, do you? If you don't shape up in a few days, I'm afraid I'll have to spray you with an insect bomb. And about four days later, repeat it. And then we'll get the eggs that have hatched out since we started. What a pretty philodendron you are. You know, some people think because you will tolerate a lot of bad care, you're ordinary. You're not ordinary unless you get a lot of bad care. Pretty good light, little water when you're dry. You don't get bugs. Your leaves are lush and big and green. And you really look tough. <laughs> And the leaves came tumbling down. All right. I was standing on the corner when I heard my bulldog bark. Get him, puppy. He was barking at the children who were gambling in the dark. Get him, puppy. Get him, Julius. It was Stagger Lee and Billy. 
some ideas and we we would like to take things down to kind of a little more of a sentimental note so we're calling this segment chilling moments of terror that warm our hearts so (laughs) what does that mean we're still trying to figure that out (laughs) yeah but it's something that makes you tear up because it's so perfect that's what that's my definition something so wonderfully horrible that uh, you couldn't have done it any better and, and, I, and I've, the, uh, let me give you some uh, disclaimers here, so just just so you know what you're getting yourself into. First of all, these lists are completely subjective. You're going to be listening, you're going to say, hey, I got a better moment than that. Obvious. Well, yeah, you probably do. Get your own podcast. <laughs> this is our opinion, and that's a spice of life. Uh, there are some spoilers, probably, I don't, at least in, I don't know what you guys oh, are doing. Oh, yeah, but that's right. Well, absolutely. I have absolutely. Spoilers. The moment is... Uh, and here, here's the first spoiler. We're not very good critics, so, uh, you know, get over that. And then this is not, there, there are lists out there that are the most disturbing and scary. This is not, that's not what this is. These are these moments where we got some inspiration, we got a little excited, and also we may have wet our pants a little bit. <laughs> these are the moments that kind of inspired us. And uh, they're kind of again. It's very subjective. They and certainly personal. could be scary, though. I mean, they're, they're not in any order of. of uh, oh, mine is. Oh, you're in order oh, yeah. of chilling oh. and heartwarming. Yeah, okay. darn it. So you just can you 
Can you well, list it real quickly? <laughs> no, no, no. We'll we'll play it by ear. That's I've got what we do. I've got so well. I, what I thought we would do is we'd reveal our number three, our number two, our number one. Oh, we could do that. That's, but it doesn't have to be in order. You could just yeah. fill whatever you want. Oh, so yeah. before I had a long list, and so the, we're each gonna gonna put out three and. Uh, and then two. Uh, we have some honorable have mentions. Do you have some honorable mentions too? I okay, do. Yeah. all right. I do. So I'll start off with uh, a few of my honorable mentions. Let's not go into too much detail with the honorable mentions. I think uh, there's a. Well, why don't we each give a honorable? mention? We gotta mention. fill time so we can we can use as many details as we want. We're talking, boys. We're talking. So an honorable mention of mine is the fourth kind. It's not a great film. It's a. It's supposed to be. Uh, the fourth kind are aliens that come and abduct people. So it's supposed to be a, a real life thing. So they show real footage with with the Hollywood footage uh, along that happens. Well, you don't have to watch very long to realize that the real footage is also Hollywood footage. <laughs> but it's kind of creepy and disturbing. And for like at least for the first half of the movie, I was kind of fooled into thinking it could be remotely real. And it was just disturbing thinking that this type of thing was happening. So it 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 was a fun fun ride. It's a it's a fun movie to watch. Don't it, it's it's in between. Uh, you have to drop everything that you're doing right now. It's not quite that movie, but it's a little bit better than uh, just reading the plot line on Wikipedia. So it's in between there. So what was the moment though? The one that was the most chilling out of that film. The part that uh... there's a moment where she she levitates in the real footage, and and a, as the movie's going on, this 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 doctor starts looking more and more very subtle, like an alien. She gets kind of thinner and paler, and it's it's just you just. You kind of feel sick as you're watching her, you know? and the movie's he, only rated PG thirteen. She 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 turns into more like a like a like a you know like a starving person or an Andersonville doc. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, exactly. But that's disturbing enough. No, it's that's crazy. Cool. I've it's, never seen it. I don't. I, I know about the movie, but I've never seen it's it. It's a fun ride. Don't drop what you're doing. But and there's another scene right where they actually record what's going on. You know when she gets abducted or whatever, and I think that's pretty, pretty chilling as well. Yeah, yeah. There's right. there's a lot of her being recorded as she's speaking, and then it's and then kinda... she listens to it afterwards because she can't tell what's going on during the time, so she just puts a recording. Oh, that's device. always good. Yeah. And then of course that you hear all this crazy stuff, and she's reacting to it, and you're reacting to it. That that original one uh, they did in the '70s when it was the the couple that were um, the... hypnotized. Barney and this other and I forget what the woman's name was and that's when they reveal that they had run into uh, I they were abducted too that's well that, that's their story that was really done well see this is but, kind of the same thing then they they hypnotize her too okay. or she hypnotizes well, they, people that, I'm sure yeah. they they took it from that because that's a famous case where the couple had had just they, they ran into some lights and some trouble on the road and then they had nightmares ever since then. They had all these weird troubling dreams. And so they went to see a psychologist and he hypnotized them. And then they started telling all these weird stories. No, oh, that that so, is kind of how... That's exactly movie. like oh, that, okay. that thing. But it's cool. It, it is cool. So well, should I give another... Uh, well, let's uh, go around the okay, table. Okay, all right, so I'm, go ahead. I'm going to go... My One of my runner-up, I'm going to give two. But one of my runner-up is the, is the Island of the Lost Souls. And it's the scene just at the very end. Because he's, he's been whipping these damn things. He's been keeping them in check. And at the very end, they finally realize he's breaking all the rules. And there, there are no rules. And they all go at him. 
and they show you just see the hands all grabbing the scalpels the knives all the tools and they take him to the house of pain and then they're just hovering over him and you can't see what they're doing you just hear him screaming and screaming as the camera pans off as they're just tearing him apart basically and that was so beautiful that the first time i saw it i teared up it, it was perfect so lovely but it's still just a runner-up and james now what's, can't your, wait. what's your runner -up? well my runner-up was uh johnny got his gun because oh sorry <laughs> we I... talked about it but uh just edit so, that out i don't know if you've seen if you've if uh if you haven't seen it it's uh frank kind of touched on it uh they think that so he's, he got in an in an accident during the war and, and uh He's in a coma, like. Yeah, he's in a coma, and he has no arms and no, no legs. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and he and he can't talk, and and uh, they don't they think he's just comatose. He can't figure out, and they finally figure out that he he he's actually been awake or been I forget he's been conscious, he's, right? He's got tear he tears up or he blinks and, or and, something. Well, no, and then he, so he can blink, and then the, they're blink. They, he's doing Morse code, and then what's the Morse code? And the Morse code is kill me. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I don't remember and, that. And, that's uh, hideous. You know, and so yeah, that that warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, nice. All right, the tears come. Let's hear another so another I, another honorable mention to this topic here. <laughs> another honorable mention, and it, gosh, I struggle with putting this in my three, but the Fun House. There's, it's a oh, great yes. set. Uh, it's a great setting. It's about uh, some some teenagers, of course. All trouble happens with teenagers, and so they <laughs> they go to the fun house and they say, "Hey, wouldn't it be fun if we spent the night?" Well, they couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> and uh, so, in the freak show, I don't want to give too much of the spoilers, but there's this there's this freak that wears a Frankenstein mask. Well, he kind of looks like uh, you know Sloth from the Goonies on crack or something. He's just totally. Uh, disfigured and and so they they find out uh, that there's this thing and they're trapped in this this fun house overnight and and some make it and some don't it's a fun ride and when I saw it I just there were some parts where I almost felt like I wanted to stop the DVD player but it what's was the a, most chilling moment of that so what's the, the most chilling moment is when they're they're looking over the so the the fortune teller is the mother of this freak so they're they're watching him and maybe this isn't the most chilling but it was the moment where i was like oh I, my i just started to cry and wet my pants a little too so then they realize that the fr they're watching they're watching the the gypsy i think she stole some money or something and uh then the 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 frankenstein mask comes off and you realize oh my gosh this guy is way crazier than than we re realize and that that's when you feel like uh oh they're they're this is a scary thing they're, <laughs> they're in, in trouble, trouble. <laughs> okay yeah uh, very nice I, I, we used to love that because we'd use that in the one of the haunted houses once and i loved it yeah because they'd be playing that over and over again that hit the barker the fun house come in <laughs> and the end's great too because the robot uh kind of powers down and it's just you know that's just kind of creepy that that's beautiful it's a fun one all right, well, my next runner-up. I don't know. Some of these runner-ups may be better than my <laughs> regular ones, I'm but anyway. I'm worried about mine, too. It, yeah. It's Freaks, and that's the very uh, ending with the rainstorm. Yeah. I just was looking on The Simpsons, and they just I saw that they their Halloween horror, I don't know if it was this year or last year, but they did this scene. And it's when they discover that uh, um, the, the woman and the yeah. strong man had poisoned the, the, yeah, the, it was last the little year. guy. 
Yeah, and so they're all coming after him, and it's all in the rain, and they use real people with all the disabilities and no arms, and the the guy with no arms and legs, he's wallowing around there with a uh, dagger in his mouth, and that's a little bit like, uh, um, you know, the Island of the Lost Souls, because they all go towards them, and the next time you see them, they're in the sideshow as the chicken lady, and, and I don't know what they do, the strong man, but uh, they pretty much carve them all up and turn them into freaks. Oh, that man. was beautiful. That was yeah. so hideous, and they and they they shot it so well. And during a thunderstorm at night, and it's all underneath the wagons as they're they're crawling up towards that woman. So that 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 warmed my heart. That man, was it, these are your honorable mentions. I can't wait for the real list. Well, that's <laughs> the trouble. They might they might disappoint you. Any James? What's... I do not have any more. Uh, oh, well, then we're going to start. We're going to start with Greg. What's your what's your real one? No, you bring it up. You that's your turn now. What is your You're on deck, buddy. One of your third chilling moments that warm your heart. So this one's actually a pretty recent one. It's not actually, it's not recent because it's in the third, no, it's in the fourth season of uh, of The Walking Dead. And I just binge watched it, so <laughs> I'm all getting prepared for this segment. And I, I, I saw this and I thought, man, this is very not heartwarming <laughs> because it's hideous. I feel bad saying it, but it did warm my heart because it was... It was perfect. And what was it? And uh, so Beth is, is for those of you who don't watch Walking Dead, Beth is Herschel's, uh, the farm, uh, the farmer, his, one of his, his youngest daughter. Uh, they, season two, they're on the farm. Season three, they find the, they find the prison and they make a, they're, they're going to make a go at it at, the, you know, at the prison because uh, it's got walls. They can keep out the zombies. It seems safe. And uh, like everything that seems safe, it's it's usually not. And and Beth writes in a diary, and they have a diary entry after everything's gone to hell in a handbasket, and it's her writing in her diary the first day they come to the prison. But it's after you already know that the the prison is a disaster, and it didn't do anything. She writes, and she's like she's like I found I found you. And I'm writing in you again, and it's the opening. I think it's the opening of the the episode right after the governor comes in and just destroys everything. And she's writing in the diary, and it's all she writes. Uh, you know, hey, my father says that you should write wishes down because uh, you know because then they they have a better chance of coming true. And she's my one wish is to that we live here for the rest of our lives in this prison and we make a go of it <laughs> and you know that it's not gonna happen because you already seen that it's a disaster and everybody's gonna die and it's it's horrible and it's it's it's, it's beautiful and beautiful at the nice. same time very nice all right greg well uh this is uh tales from the dark side the episode inside the closet and it, it was actually i didn't know this before i did my research but uh, old the Godfather of Gore, Tom Savani, is the director of this episode. Savini, sir. Savini, <laughs> that's what I said. Uh, of Dawn of the Dead and From Dust Till Dawn, and and Dawn of the Dead. I already said that, but uh, the Godfather of Gore directed that one. I always love the the tales from the dark side. The the intro: Man lives in the sunlit world of what he believes to be reality, but there is unseen by most an underworld. A place that is just as real, but not as 
brightly lit. That <laughs> dark that side. was good. Yeah, the the music and everything. I always thought that was great. But this particular episode, you have a a girl who a college college student who's renting a room from a professor, and there's this closet, and she's sure there's this noise coming from the closet. Oh, and that's right. She's always obsessing. So it. She's, she's got and, a key for it. And yeah. the professor's like, just forget about it. Don't worry about it. And so she does find something, and the and uh, the creature attacks her, and you know takes care of her and then the end is here's a big time spoiler so if you haven't seen it and you want to turn it down right now but uh the professor is talking to the mother on the phone he's like well i don't know where she is you know i'm not you know i don't i'm not in charge of her or whatever and so then in behind you see the creature in the distance and oh the professor's gonna get it but nope it's his daughter and so it's just <laughs> it's just beautiful and and when i saw it i Oh, I just... It's, that was a guy from Reanimator, too, wasn't it? The long-haired yeah, guy? Yeah, He's just he's disturbing, he's just being... Hugging this white beast <laughs> of a thing. At his leg. Like, Let's go read a, you a story. Yeah, and then he's just holding her. And... Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, the first one of my three is uh, from King's Row, and it's Ronald Reagan, of all things. Oh. And uh, he's been in some kind of accident, and he goes in the hospital, and the doctor that's going to take care of him hates his guts. It's his girlfriend's uh, father and does not approve of him. So it's the next day, and and uh, they're downstairs, and they hear him calling, you know, Randy, Randy. They run up, and he's like flailing around, reaching towards the end of the bed. Where's the rest of me? And the doctor had amputated his legs off, and there's just nothing, just the blanket going down. <laughs> and that was really good. That's his best performance of anything he ever did. Uh Including that. two runs of presidency. <laughs> it was beautiful. That was beautiful. Oh, it, very tight. And it's so funny that it's that movie. And uh, I've never seen anything the way they do it quite that, that has the same effect it, on it. It is good. It is yeah. good. So, James, what's your next one? All right. I, I found that I'm all TV for some reason. <laughs> you know, uh, I... Uh, I am a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, and uh, I think it's season five, Frank, season five, Buffy's mom dies, <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and the episode is done sort of in flashback. You see little pieces of what's happening the whole time, and she comes in, and her mom's dead on the couch, and that is, it, it's it's horrible. If you just see it. It's been a you know she's been through the whole five seasons you you know you know yeah. the mother you've you've invested in her all those things and then you're trying to figure out what the heck happened to her the whole time because you're thinking it, it, well, demon coming you're like all this kind of crazy stuff because Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you find out it's like an embolism or something yeah. at the end of the thing and it just makes it more hideous and I don't even know why because it should be a demon killing somebody more hideous well what made it hideous though too is that everything else is treated like fantasy and that was treated exactly like real death with no you know elements of humor elements of of a soap opera or whatever it was just coming home and find your mother dead and no, the police coming in the hospital, and she's frantically thinking, "What is it? You know, what caused it?" And and and, uh, and then it's just death. It's just what happens. It's just what happens. I think sometimes when things are real, that sometimes is scarier than you know, like this could actually happen. It's like yeah. and and it shocked it because, you know, it is all those things. You know, that's why I like that show is it's all crazy and whatever. But 
this comes in and it hits you like a ton of bricks. It's it's a it's one of the the best illustrations of just like wow hopelessness because there's no usually she's always like I could do this or I fix this or whatever because that's the that you know that's that's the thing she's she's always you know destroying bad or whatever fighting evil and then this was just death and and she lost <laughs> it also shows that nobody can save you if they want to write you out yeah <laughs> so greg what is your next so mine comes from uh, a a short which is based on a story called it's uh the smiling man 2 a.m the smiling man you can find it on youtube it's a really uh, it's just it just kind of gives you goosebumps watching this this short and it's about a a young man who's you know, college age, and he he always is. You know, he'll walk home from a friend's house at one, two in the morning, and he always feels safe. He even comments on how polite the drug dealers are at that time. Well, there's one night that changed his life forever, and so he's walking, and then he sees a, a figure. And I'll re- I'll read you a quick bit here. I turned down a short side street in order to loop back to my apartment when I first noticed him. At the far end of the street, on my side was the silhouette of a man, dancing. It was a strange dance, similar to a waltz. But he finished each box with an odd forward stride. I guess you could say he was dance dance walking, headed straight for me. So there's this kind of little back and forth where, you know, the, the character crosses the street. And Did then, they show the... He yeah, has, you you see he's narrating, this, but you see the person doing it. Well, in in the, this is from the story, but in the short, there's no oh. audio, so okay. or no dialogue, no, I should video. say. So he sees this man at two in the morning, smiling and doing this dancing, and then so he crosses the street, and then he turns around and he's he's crossed the street. So my moment is there's a moment where the tension is mounting, and then he sees that the the smiling man is dancing away from him so he so he's oh finally relieved but he doesn't want to take his eye off and then he realizes he's not dancing away he's running right toward him so he starts running back to his apartment and you know so it, it was just a really chilling when you read the story it's chilling when you watch the short it's it, the actor that they got to be the smiling man is fantastic and it's just oh, nice. it's just a fun ride so do check they, it out on youtube do they uh, well okay well, we, won't, we won't spoil it yeah, it's a one time yeah. we're not going to spoil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the rest of these will spoil. We'll leave one at least. Yeah. That's good. I got to check that out. Yeah. Uh, my next one is from Arlington Road. I don't know if you saw that. That's with, uh, um, oh, who's Sea Hunt's son? Jeff Bridges. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. So Jeff Bridges is slowly discovering that his neighbor is like a Timothy McVeigh terrorist, basically. And it's Tim Robbins. And, uh, and, uh, they seem so normal and so friendly and his son is involved in their scouts, uh, with them and their friends. And by the time he finds out, it's too late. He finds out they're going to want to destroy, blow up the uh, FBI building. And they've got his son on a tour with them and he figures out the bomb is in there with his son and they're, and they're going to take a tour of the FBI. So he's chasing this white van all through the area and then they finally, they break through into the parking lot, the van breaks through into there, and he follows them. He kind of forced him to do that. Then he gets out and runs, and he's yelling, you know, there's a bomb in there, my son's in there. And then the guys get out of the car, and they're just other FBI agents. And then he suddenly realizes, he goes back and opens his trunk, and that's where the bomb is. And, and it, then it blows up and kills him. <laughs> it blows, the whole, <laughs> blows up the FBI building. And at the end, you see Tim Robbins and, and uh, 
the wife was, um, you know, um, uh, but anyway, they were perfect because they, they see the last be terrorists saying they got to move someplace safe. You know, they don't like this neighbor and they're going on to somewhere else. And uh, he became the fall guy. And there's that moment when he sees the bomb there. And I, I did not predict it in my mind. I did not know that. I thought he'd get out of it. I thought he'd stop him. Last thing I thought of, he's going to blow up. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, his kid dies and everything? No, his kid wasn't in there. Oh, okay. The whole time, he, he, they switched vans. And he was following some other van. You know, the real van that's supposed to go there. Oh, so, man. And they saw him chasing him. And so they were going fast. Because the FBI thought that some crazy guy after him. So, anyway, James... All right, so my final one, number one with a bullet, is uh, I think it's a Twilight Zone, and I saw this with Dad. <laughs> I saw this with our father, and uh, and uh, it, it's kind of funny because he gave me a big lecture on on uh, on the thing afterwards, and it, so it stuck with me. But it it it's uh, it's probably it's a TV show too, and it's it's a one of the it's either a new Twilight Zone or they had a new uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents for a while, and it might be one of the old ones done, and I didn't know it, but this is the story. So a man's wife gets gets basically assaulted, and uh, it goes through the whole thing. It's like psychological; he feels helpless, that kind of thing, and 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 she's been raped, and uh, it's very hideous. And, and you know, like obviously. I want to be like that's not the touchy moment, but uh, uh, the the man is driving around with his wife, and and she is in like a crazy state. She's just nervous about everything and and, and crazy, and and uh, she sees a man on the side of the road, and she's like, "That is the man that assaulted me." that is a man and the guy stops and the whole thing is about him chasing him down and he chases him down he does this stuff and he freaking straight up strangles him to death walks off gets back in the car and drives off and the end of the show the wife looks out the window and goes that's the man that strangled me (laughs) (laughs) that's nice that's nice wow that's good and that sounds well, so. It's multiple guys, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you right. got me. <laughs> stay, stay with us here. All guys. right, Greg. What was your last? So one? I don't know if the first two were in order, but this is definitely my number one. And uh, I hope there's a small chance it could be yours too. But uh, but uh, it's the Evil Dead Two. Probably one of my. I mean, th- this moment is just so warm in my heart and but so terrifying and it's kind of two moments but it's the all the scenes in in the cellar there's kind of two parts so they they think that ash is is the murderer so they lock him up in the cellar and then they play the the recording of of her dad who who has been killed and then they realize that uh he put his wife who had turned and she she's down in the cellar so he's trying to get out and and he's pushing on the door to unlock the chains and you know there's this tension because they're trying to unlock the chain but he's pushing it and making it difficult and finally they get him out and so then the pages are down in the cellar so he has to go back into the cellar and and find the pages and it I don't know how he possibly found them all because they're scattered everywhere and there's this random leak of water down there <laughs> for some reason. 
and uh, uh, the the Henrietta the the witch is played by Sam Raimi's brother, of course, Ted Raimi, and he does a fantastic job. I don't know why there was not Oscar talk for that performance, but it's great. So I just anytime they go down in that basement, it just it, it's just yeah, that was creepy. The that was funnest creepy. part of one of the funnest movies ever. Nice. And the scary part is he's almost free. He gets all the pages, and there's nothing scarier than a witch pulling your legs from under you when it stares when you have a chainsaw for an arm. That's the worst <laughs> thing. How do you brace yourself? But he, but he made it. He was okay. And, and my last one, I, I think it's the remake of the Alfred Hitchcock original TV show one because I think there's an older one. And this is a woman who is in jail and she's a sort of a rich woman and she wants to be to get out and she's being mistreated and abused. So she makes a deal with a, a, a grave digger there that he will um, dig the grave and bury her in there and then dig her up again. And that's how she'll escape. And, and they give her some... She sneaks in when they're going to go bury somebody. So she, sees, she gets there. She sees the coffin at the point in time. She gets in and closes the lid. They nail it in. And then she's waiting in the coffin. And she's waiting and waiting. And she's getting real nervous and freaked out, as anybody would. And finally, she decides to look to see who's in the coffin with her. And she strikes a match and look, and then it's the gravedigger in there. And he had died. And, and so that was horrible. And then they pan out with her screaming, and then they pan out on top, and you can't hear anything, you know, above the ground. So that was horrible. I think but that might have been one of the first ones that they remade. Oh, in that Because that, that, that is the same. That is a black and white one, too. Yeah. Um, and it's just like the other one where they... they uh, Pay to chop off the fingers because originally that was with uh, Peter Laurie and then Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah and they yeah. did it with uh, uh, John Huston in the new one, and I forget who them. Yeah. And then in four rooms they they yeah. yes did it again referred to it they make <laughs> reference. But you know what the thing is they you didn't say is they remember she he has glaucoma or something he needs an operation and he can't yeah. read and so. He he gives it to her and she and she says, "Oh, your operation was declined when it wasn't, right?" She lies to him and says, "I have money." I'll, I'll, oh yeah, I'll that's you. right, and tricks him into it. Oh. So she got what she deserved. Come I on, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody deserves that. That's horrible. But it entertained me anyway. Yeah. So there you have it. The the uh, chilling moments that warm your heart. Come away, come away, 
The flowers appear upon all the earth. The voice of the turtle dove sings new words. The flowers appear upon all the earth. Come away, come away. Rise up, oh my love, and you come away. For this is the dawn of the new spring day. Rise up, oh my love, and you come away. Come away, come away, come away. And now, pretentious readings from Scholastic Books. The Wonderful Flight to the Mushroom Planet Eleanor Cameron first published her book in 1954, but of course it was the cover of the first Scholastic edition with Robert Hennenberger's art prominently displayed that caught my eye. That and the little ad that David Topham read in the bottom corner of the last page of the newspaper. Wanted, a small spaceship about eight feet long, built by a boy or by two boys between the ages of eight and eleven. The ship should be sturdy and well-made, and should be of materials found at hand. Nothing need be bought. No adult should be consulted as to its plan or method of construction. An adventure and a chance to do a good deed await the boys who build the best spaceship. Please bring your ship, as soon as possible, to Mr. Tycho M. Bass. M. Thallow Street, Pacific Grove, California. David could not think what had happened to him or where he was. He sat up and rubbed his eyes, and the first thing that struck him was the color of the light. It was green, a real green, wavering, misty. It was like clouded seawater illumined by sun. But if it was light, then it must mean they were near something that was reflecting light. David caught his breath and leaned to look out there, a great way below them, but dimly visible through the winding mist, hung a small planet, so small that he could see how the edge of it curved far, far rounder than he had seen the dimly lighted edge of the Earth curve against space. Already while they had slept, Their spaceship had turned so that its tail pointed towards Basidium. Now it was in free fall, falling into a landing on a little planet, instead of blasting toward it nose first as it had been doing when they were awake. The rocket motor at the time of turning had automatically switched off. So now David, according to the directions Mr. Bass had given him, switched it on again to slow down the ship's hurtling fall. Chuck, he cried eagerly, wake up. Chuck, wake up. We're almost there. Ah, but how strange his words sounded to him, and how strange his voice. High and delicate, and far away like the tinkle of wind chimes. Could this be David Topman? Ha-ho, he cried out, testing himself anxiously. Hey, hi! But it was no use. Whatever he said, no matter what sound he made, He still sounded a great way off. Chuck stirred, then raised his head and blinked. Where, what, what is it? He asked in confusion. Then he sat up. Why, it's all green. The light. Yes, and Chuck's voice sounded peculiar. The voice of another being entirely than Chuck and David knew. And then his words. What could be the matter with them? Chuck started forward and pressed his face to the window and looked straight down. Davy cried, it's Basidium. We're there, Dave, we're there. Then he turned, a startled look on his face. 
Yes, said David, and now he knew how it felt to have his heart leap into his throat. It's the little planet just our size. But Chuck was staring at him. Dave, he whispered. Then he tried it out loud. Dave Topman! He put his hand to his mouth. We sound different, he got out at last. I know, David answered quietly. Perhaps it's the atmosphere. But all the same, he had a feeling it wasn't the atmosphere at all. And then as the small world below them swung up nearer, he had an awful moment of uncertainty. There it is, Chuck. But what if the people aren't people? What if they're... He couldn't even begin to imagine what impossible sort of being they might be. Of course, as Mr. Bass was a Basidiumite, though of a race that had long lived on Earth, surely they would resemble him in some way or other. But what if they're awfully primitive? Just the beginning of a Mr. Bass. What if they only make noises, he finished with a shudder. Neither of them spoke anymore, but stared down in silent fascination as they came nearer and nearer to the pale green surface of Basidium. Now the ship came to rest with a slight thud. David turned off the motor. With huge eyes, the boys peered out at what lay about them. Through the wavering green light, they made out that the entire world was pale. Over its surface grew what seemed to be spongy moss. From it sprang primitive-looking growths that were fern-like trees with feathery fronds and trunks as smooth as bamboo. Yet these trunks were not the color of tree trunks at all, but were as pale green as the rest of the plants. And there were mushrooms, hundreds and hundreds of mushrooms, wherever you looked. Grayish and pink and cream they were, every kind you could imagine. Some huge and towering with great thick fleshy stems, and some slender and small and delicate myriads of them growing out of the moss. When the boys opened the door to the spaceship, they were met by a dampish smell, the smell that comes to you from an old rain-soaked log when you pull off one of those ruffled, fan-like fungi. Well, we're almost out of time, but it's November. It's Boris Karloff's birthday, so we have a little special treat showcasing his not-so-known singing voice. So, Frank, what have you got for us? <laughs> it's him, of course, playing Captain Hook from the stage version of Peter Pan, uh, where he suggests that you drink blood. So, uh, so long, everybody. This is Uncle Frank. I'm Jimmy Sweets. Gregor McGregor. And we'll see you next month. The evilest creatures that all the earth. The we are evil like father and the tenors are. It is true that the bases have evil of faces, but we are more evil inside. Oh, they are trying to boast of their pride. Not through us, three voices are just a disguise. Oh, oh, the good heartedness shines in their eyes. Not through us, three voices are oh, just a disguise. Not through us, three voices are just a disguise. Enough! Enough of this bickering stuff. When I am around, there's no question of who is the meanest, the lowest, the loathsomest, cruelest. Look, it's Hook! I like, I like, it's a captain Hook! Eat blood, drink blood, dream blood, think blood, 
man you all can have as malicious a look as the meanest of all, Captain Hook. Aye, aye, the meanest is Captain Hook. Eat blood, blood, drink blood, blood, dream blood, think blood. And you all can have as malicious a look as the meanest of all, Captain Hook. Aye, aye, the meanest is Captain Hook. There's nothing lower than Captain Hook. There's nothing lower than Captain Hook.